Ireland, 2022. Just under 10,000 people are homeless. 3,000 of those people are children. Many families who do have a home are struggling to keep afloat financially as well, with an increase in not only the cost of rent, but also the general cost of living, including a rise in the price of food, fuel and electricity. Young people are struggling to move out on their own, often relying on their parents for accommodation well into their late 20s and early 30s. There have been reports of international students sleeping rough on our streets because they have nowhere else to go. Despite this, last year over 90,000 homes laid empty, while housing developments, namely built to rent apartments, shoot up right across our urban centres. How is it that, despite this, we still have people unable to find a place to call their own? My name is Owen Gardner, and in this two-part special of the Irish People podcast, we aim to find out. We'll do this by looking at the facts and figures, the past and the present, and by speaking to a number of housing activists who are working to change the situation for the better. In the first episode, I spoke to a number of Workers' Party housing activists from Dublin and Belfast about the crisis in their local areas and the impact that it is having on the people living there. Although the situation can differ from place to place, with different problems in different areas, one thing has been made certain by our guests, working people are suffering as a result. This time around, however, I'm going to be asking our guests about the housing crisis on a bigger national basis and just what they believe needs to be done to tackle it. Join us. In the last episode, Claire O'Connor, the Workers' Party representative in the North Inner City, said that for her, the situation in O'Devany Gardens epitomises Ireland's housing crisis. She says that while private developers appear to have recovered from the last economic crash, the benefits have failed to trickle down to working people. Like Joe Johnston said in the last episode, Claire does not believe this to be any coincidence, but rather the result of an ideological commitment that our politicians have to the private market. In short, what we've seen is the drivers of private profit in the housing market have recovered, um, but there's been no similar recovery or no corresponding recovery for ordinary working people who've really seen an extraordinary growth in the number of people, the number of family, families facing housing crisis and, and facing homelessness. Um, and what we've seen is kind of an, a, a really blind really committed ideological belief on the part of successive governments uh, in the system, the market system of supply and demand to magic a solution to this. Expanding upon this notion of ideological commitment, Claire is critical, for example, of the role that private home ownership can play in solving this housing crisis, despite the fact that it is often cited as a silver bullet in the situation something that we should all supposedly be aspiring to. Another factor I think contributes to the problem is that there's a very strong, um, again, ideological belief uh, among the Irish establishment that you know, home ownership is essentially a moral good and that the government has a duty to support this and uphold this. And as a result, Ireland has a very high rate of personal uh, home ownership and this has created a really 
strong, really stark class divide in terms of who actually owns their home. Um, and it means that we've seen a number of subsidies introduced by the government uh, put towards home ownership. So things such as first time buyers grants, uh, tax breaks for developers and uh, subsidies for people renting in the private rental sector, which are essentially funneled into the hands of private developers. And what we've seen very clearly is that the high private home ownership rates in Ireland and elsewhere correlate very strongly with unstable housing markets. Instead of this, Claire believes that the problem is not so much one of home ownership, but more so one of housing security. If, instead of selling off public land to the private developers, the state used that land to build genuinely affordable and accessible housing, home ownership would not be the only way of ensuring security of tenure. In order to achieve this, Claire wants to see a combination of political parties and trade unions campaigning together, putting pressure on the government to take what she describes as serious political action. So we in the Workers' Party believe that the only real solution to this housing crisis is a system of universal public housing available to all, regardless of income. So we believe that what's necessary is an immediate uh, emergency programme of building social housing uh, to alleviate the current demand for housing, to alleviate the current homelessness emergency, and also uh, an end to the sell-off of public land and the privatisation of public land. And public land must be used for this purpose of, of building public housing. Uh, and also, I think we've, we've seen um, fairly massive mobilisations um, on issues like the water charges, for instance, um, we, we saw quite massive protests and mobilizations against the implementation of austerity um, back, at, back at the, you know, the time of the bailout and so on. And I think that this will be our next fight. You know, organizations of working people like trade unions, like the Workers' Party uh, need to march for this. We need a broad based um, mobilization for action on housing because this problem can't be solved without serious political action. While most housing activists would likely agree that a broad coalition campaigning for public housing could only be a good thing, some do have their doubts about the willingness or perhaps ability of certain parties to deliver public housing and bring an end to the crisis. I asked Workers' Party member and housing activist Joe Johnson if he had any faith in the opposition parties to follow through on the housing front and if not, what he believes the solutions are. Definitely not Labour, no, they're, uh, they'll, sell, they'll sell the working class out the first chance they get. They've done it in the past and they'll do it again. Uh, when it comes to Sinn Féin, uh, we're going to kind of have to see. Uh, they've made it a big kind of selling point for their party. It's like their main go-to. They focus very much on social housing, but even at that, like social housing alone isn't going to be enough to fix the housing crisis. Uh, personally, uh, I think the, the Workers' Party policy of mixed income public housing for all is uh, the best solution. It's just every, anyone can access it. It's universal uh, and it's the rents are charged at a year level of income. 
Joe is also critical of what he views as Sinn Féin downplaying some of the more radical aspects of their politics and worries that this move to the centre could come into play with their housing policy if, or rather when, the party gets into government in the south, just as it has in the north. Yeah, uh, Sinn Féin is, at the end of the day, an uh, establishment party. We don't know how they're going to be when they get into government. Like they're, uh, they're just toning down nearly everything they used, like republicanism, they're toning down. Uh, they're just becoming more and more an establishment party uh, as the days go on. And uh, kind of to say to the establishment that we're not a threat to the way things are. So I don't think they'll do as much as they say they will, but they might, they're, they're a step in the right direction. Although some might dismiss this housing policy as overly hopeful or idealistic, Joe points us to a real world example of universally accessible mixed income public housing working in one Austrian city with a population roughly the same size as that of Dublin. Is it really uh, a lot of people will party? say it's a public dream, but if you look at Vienna, like prime example, over 60% of the population is in uh, mixed income public housing. Uh, and Vienna actually has the highest quality of life of any city in the world. So that's a massive indicator that it does work. Uh, Vienna is not even a small city. It's, uh, it's one and a half million, the same population as the greater Dublin area. And uh yeah, it is very. It's a viable solution to the housing crisis. It, it, we've seen it work in other cities, and if we bring it here, it'll have the same effect. David Gardner. The Workers' Party representative in Palmerstown, Fontu, agrees with this view and sees the privatisation of our housing stock over the years as a key contributor to the crisis. He also expresses a number of concerns with the opposition party Sinn Féin, but says that he understands completely why people, and young people in particular, are voting for them. Over the last number of decades, housing provision in Ireland has been almost completely privatised. Public housing and land have been sold off Private landlords are now paying billions of euro every year to provide housing through schemes like the HAP, the Housing Assistance Payment. I think it's the result of government policy, really. Finke has been a fall of both showing a commitment to leave housing up to the private market to supply. It's clear as day that that hasn't worked out very well for working people. The private market is not only failing to supply, but it's failing to supply anything that is actually affordable. This failure should probably come as no surprise. This is right-wing politics in action. It isn't designed to ensure safety and security of tenure for many. It's designed to concentrate on the wealth at the very top. This neoliberal Thatcherite idea that the wealth will somehow trickle down to the rest of us has been shown up for the fairy tale that it is. This is why you're seeing so many people, especially young people, moving away from voting for Fianna Fáil. Although I'd be critical of Sinn Féin as well, who we are only too happy to implement austerity in the north hand in hand with the DUP and the Tories. It's no wonder why young people down here are voting for them. At the end of the day, anyone could see that this situation and the supposed solutions put forward by the government benefits the landlords and developers at the expense of uh, the rest of us. 
The amount of social housing being built as opposed to private housing has indeed dropped over the decades. In the 1970s, for example, the figure was at 26%, while just 10 years later it had dropped to 19%. By the 1990s, it had reached a low of 7%. David also sees public housing as the solution, and cites cities like Vienna as an example of it working in practice. Here, he explains just how people could access public housing under a universally accessible mixed income system as proposed by the Workers' Party. I suppose the Workers' Party believes that a universally accessible uh, public housing system is the solution. This would provide affordable quality public housing accessible to all with rent levels based on incomes. In practice, instead of renting from a private landlord, you would rent from the state be that the local council or central government. If you earned very little, your rent would cost less. And if you earned a lot, your rent would be cost a bit more, I suppose. This is, this is based on housing provision in cities like Vienna, where 60% of citizens live in mixed income public housing and enjoy the highest quality of life in Europe. The Workers' Party is a simple, costed and public alternative to the case of the private housing market. It's a solution that works for those who cannot afford to buy, those who struggle to afford their rent, and all those who struggle to keep a roof over their heads. Also, the Workers' Party is committed to ensuring that planning should provide the transport links, childcare facilities, local amenities, and stability that allows for working communities to not only survive, but thrive. In the last episode, I spoke to Gemma Weir, the Workers' Party representative in North Belfast, about the housing crisis and just how it plays out in the north of Ireland. She explained just how ingrained sectarianism is in Northern politics, even to the extent that it impacts housing. I asked Gemma if the main political parties cannot be relied upon to solve the housing crisis, who then does she view as the allies of the Workers' Party in this fight? You know, certainly those on the left would be in favour of it. You know, it is something that not just the likes of the Workers' Party would be calling for, mm. but you wouldn't hear, you know, you wouldn't hear it very loudly from the likes of Sinn Féin. You won't hear it very loudly from the DUP because they know that by trying to promote something like that, what they're going to do is they're going to erode the fear and, you know, the, the, the almost the ingraining of you're one of these, you're one of those, um, because that's what their politics thrives on. And, um, and it's sad to say that it comes back to that, yeah. but it does. And at 99% out of 100 in Northern Ireland, that's what everything comes back to. And you really have to break the mold. You really have to say, this is about people and how they're living and about their lives and, and making their lives better and giving them the chance to succeed. Because with, when you don't have a home, especially when you don't have a safe home or one that's a permanent home, you know, it's very hard for anybody to thrive under those circumstances. Going back to the lack of centralisation that she spoke about in the first episode, Gemma says that this dysfunctional manner in which the housing executive operates is one of the biggest problems with regards to housing. She wants to see housing done first and foremost through this body and to prevent it from falling into private hands. Yeah, first of all, we, we think that the housing executive should be you know kept completely in public hands and it should be the first point 
for all social housing. Everything really should be going through the, the housing executive and it should be supported to be able to be that body that is able to make those decisions and has the, you know, has the funds uh, and also has, you know, has all the resources at a time to do that. Um, and then it comes down to as well, you know, again, when we're talking about different areas, about when areas or areas of land come up, making sure that they're available for public housing and aren't earmarked for greenways. Now, that's not to say that you can't have a greenway mm. somewhere, but, you know, it needs to be a measured approach to it. Um, and you need to make sure that, you know, certain things are given priority. And at the moment, housing has to be given a huge priority in Belfast and Northern Ireland. Um, you know, the, the stock that we have, the public, or sorry, the um, social housing stock that we have isn't, you know, it's poor. Um, there have been there have been social housing um, developments recently, you know, things have been built and they are of a, of a high standard, but there's just not enough of them. And unfortunately, as we were saying before, usually they are pretty, um, you know, segregated and mm. where, where the areas are and how they're done. Um, and we do suffer as well from a lot of faking, uh, you know, social housing. Um, and then obviously, the, you know, historically the right to buy where a lot of the public like this, the stock was taken out of public hands, um, and it did then mean that now it's being sold on to private owners. Um, and there's so many different aspects that have that have kind of got us to the the place where we are now. It is also worth noting that many of our political representatives tend to have vested interests in the private housing market themselves, and that even if they don't directly, their donors and other supporters oftentimes do. I asked Gemma if she believes that this factors into some of the decisions taken by politicians, despite the fact that they might go against the public good. Oh, definitely. Like, you know, there's certain parties here in Northern Ireland and they're absolutely right with land, like landlords, you know, like that's who your local councillors are. That's who mm. some of the MLAs are. Um, they're prolific in, in owning and then renting houses. So, you know, if they're in a position where they're able to safeguard their own interests, I'm sure, you know, they would be doing that. Mm. I would be very surprised if they weren't. Um, and it, yeah, you know, they have a lot of donors. They have a lot of people in the community who would also maybe be landlords and stuff like that, who they need to keep happy. Um, we all know the money machine that is politics in Northern Ireland, especially for the big two, you know, Sinn Féin and the mm. DUP, um, like the amount of money that they receive from donors um, is colossal, maybe more so for Sinn Féin, and it has to be coming from somewhere. Um, and so they do need to keep those donors happy. And I would say a lot of, you know, not just housing, but a lot of uh, decisions that are made politically will all, all kind of come down to that. Workers' Party believes that universal public housing provision, public housing for all, is the alternative. Their public housing policy provides a costed plan for mixed income public housing construction on a scale that could solve the crisis facing Ireland today. It would provide affordable and quality public housing accessible to all with rent levels based on income. This plan requires that local councils or the state set up a new state housing corporation. This state housing corporation could borrow off books against the assets that it owns, such as public land, 
to finance housing construction. By doing this, it could raise enough finance to build as many as 75,000 public housing units across Ireland in the next five years. It is based on housing provision in cities like Vienna, where 60% of citizens live in mixed income public housing and which have the highest quality of life in Europe. It is a simple, costed and public alternative to the chaos of the private housing market, to rack renting by private landlords and to greedy developers. It offers a solution that works for those who cannot afford to buy, those who struggle to afford to rent and all those who struggle to simply keep a roof over their heads. To summarise, the Workers' Party is committed to large-scale construction of mixed-income public housing through a state construction company to be built through direct labour schemes based on this public housing model. We also want to see the necessary resources allocated to local authorities for an immediate and substantial programme of public housing construction. Establishing housing as a basic and essential human right is also badly needed. Without access to suitable housing, supposed rights to family life, to healthcare and to education are all empty. The Workers' Party also wishes to ensure that when housing is being planned, it should provide for transport links, childcare facilities, local amenities and stability that allows for vibrant and inclusive communities. The Workers' Party believes that the state should be strictly controlling the price of building on land for almost five decades, successive governments have refused to implement the recommendations of the Kenny Report. The government must also guarantee that all housing built must reach the highest international building standards. The Derelict Sites Act should be strengthened and expanded in order to stop der dereliction and speed up the regeneration of brownfield sites. The privatisation of public housing and public land must be brought to an end while local, non-profit, cooperative, self-build, own-use housing initiatives ought to be supported by the state. The Workers' Party also wishes to see all property-related tax incentives ended, as these have proven to be economically disastrous for the country so far. Although the Workers' Party does ultimately view public housing as the solution, it is also of the belief that rent levels have long reached crisis point in the private rented sector. Thousands of individuals and families are being forced into this market by the refusal of successive governments to properly invest in public housing and by the policy of the deliberate sell-off and running down of local authority housing stock. The Workers' Party believes that individuals and families in the private rented sector are entitled to decent living conditions, fair rent, protection against extorbitant rent increases, security of tenure and protection of deposits against illegal or unjust deductions. The Workers' Party proposes to introduce legislation to properly control rents. This would apply not only to rent increases within tenancies but also between tenancies and set out clear guidelines by which rent levels can be established. This must be accompanied by legislation to ensure security of tenure for tenants whose properties are being sold. In addition, the party seeks to end the subsidy to private landlords by phasing out rent supplements and the housing assistance payment and to replace it with local authority-owned housing. Another goal of the party is to implement a comprehensive package of measures to ensure that tenants in private rented accommodation have fair rents, security of tenure, 
decent standards and conditions and to implement deposit protection by ensuring that all deposits are held by an independent body in an independent and self-financing fund. This brings the second episode of our two-part housing crisis special to a close. I'd like to thank our guests for taking part in the programme, as well as to all of our listeners. Make sure to follow the Irish People podcast on your favourite streaming platforms, as well as across our social media, to never miss another episode. My name is Owen Gardner, and thank you for listening. <laughs>